Welcome to Prayer Huddle, a community that seeks to host God, influence lives, and revive hearts. The message you're about to listen to is a word in season to make your spirit soar like that of the eagle. Thank you for listening and stay blessed. Yeah, hallelujah. So today, the Lord gave me a word, and it's it's interesting how when the Spirit of God drops a word in your heart, you have to tune yourself and say, okay, Lord, what are you intending to say or intending to do with this word? And as a steward of the word of God, a, a faithful steward of the word, you begin to pray and say, Lord, what do you want to say? And most times God wants to talk to you. So the word actually goes through you. The word uh, is conveyed through you. You become the channel of that word. Amen. Praise the Lord. And um, we're, we're looking at the power of encouragement, the power of encouragement. You know, at times, uh, believers will think that uh, it's, it's, it's discouragement. Let's talk about discouragement, first of all. You know, and some people think that some people are prone to discouragement, whereas others are not. Amen. Like maybe um, some people have that resilience. They have that fighting spirit. They have the capacity to wade every storm. They have that wherewithal to, 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 to crush down every mountain, to go through challenges. They just have that backbone. Have you, have you heard some people who say, ah, I'm not like you. You are a very solid human being. Praise the Lord. I want to say this, that every person, every person, okay, with a glorious destiny going somewhere, every person that would fulfill the purpose of God in their life will at some point battle with discouragement. You are going to be faced with discouragement and it's one of those weapons that is age-long in the hand of the enemy, meaning Satan uh, does not fail to use discouragement to fight God's children. Amen. He uses discouragement to fight God's children. He uses it as a weapon. And in this day and age, we're not immune from this weapon of the enemy. Praise the Lord. And uh, instead of me talking about how much the devil uses that weapon, the Lord said, talk about my power, okay? My power to bring about encouragement. But before we go ahead, I want to talk on the areas and domains in our lives where the enemy, okay, can use discouragement against anyone, and then how we'll talk about how to live in the power of encouragement. Amen. So we're going to start with looking at areas of our lives and how the enemy can use discouragement as a weapon to fight anybody, anyone, no matter how anointed, no matter how blessed, no matter how resilient. Amen. You know, like I said, some people say, wow, some people are more, they are more resilient. They deal with life with tougher muscles than others. Have you heard those kind of stuff? You know, and some of you are here, you just think 
Man, you're immune from discouragement. Maybe you haven't faced it. I have. Praise the Lord. I've faced it. And I just want you to know that if you're a woman and a man of faith, okay, you're a woman and a man of faith, your faith will be challenged. And at times you will face situations in your life that you will know that, wow, I am fighting discouragement. Praise the Lord. Let's look at some scenarios. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, I just couldn't get New Living Translation. I love the rendering of New Living Translation. In fact, at some point, I felt like all of the scriptures that I'm going to be sharing today, I should have read them from the New Living Translation because it's, it was, it's just spot on. Praise the Lord. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, it described a situation which can happen to anyone, any child of God. Exodus 6, verse number 9. Exodus 6, verse number 9. Praise the Lord. It says, and Moses told these to the Israelites, to children of Israel. What did he tell them? Okay, is that, is that a New Living Translation? Um, Cynthia, maybe I should read that one. Good. Thank you very much. So Cynthia is going to be my Bible person. I'm just going to read directly from here because it has some words that the Spirit of God wants us to hone on tonight. Now, so Moses told the children, the people of Israel, what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. This, this is just powerful that Moses, the man of God, has encountered God. He's bringing a word from God, and he's bringing a good news to those people. God has heard your cries. He is set to set you free. And he sent me with his presence, with signs and wonders, and this is your time and hour of deliverance. But the Bible said that the people could not believe or accept what God was saying to them anymore. He said they would not listen anymore. That means there was a time they listened. And if you go to verse, if you go to verse, um, verse, let's, let's jump back. Let's go back to verse 31 of Exodus 4. Can you help me pull up? Exodus chapter 4, verse 31, you realize that the children of Israel did not start as being doubters. They did not start as being discouraged. They, they, there was a time they believed God's word. They accepted God's word. In verse 31, it says, the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel that he had looked upon their affliction and they bowed their heads and they worshiped. So they connected at first with the word. They believed the word. They started out trusting God for who he is. But all of a sudden, if you look at Exodus chapter six, <laughs> Exodus chapter six, verse nine, between chapter four and chapter six, something had transpired where out of the enthusiasm, out of the joy that the word of the Lord has come for their deliverance, they went to Pharaoh 
and told Pharaoh about it. We want to go sacrifice. We want to go worship. And Pharaoh said, okay, I know what I'll do to you guys. You guys are not busy enough. I'm going to increase your trouble. Now you're going to build bricks with no straw. In fact, I'm going to make my taskmasters hit hard on you guys. You're going to go and look for straw yourselves and build. And, and that is the case of a lot of God's children. It seems like the moment you believe the word of God, it seems like the moment you trust God, you have some kind of breakthrough, you have some kind of revelational um, edification, like your faith is built up, then it just seems like the, the enemy comes harder with his whip. And he comes harder with the whip of discouragement. It seems like the moment you, you know, you say, oh, God, we just heard you, we just encountered you. I know that you hear my cry. You know, you feel my pain. You see my tears. You know where I am. You know what I'm feeling. You understand me. Amen. The moment it seems like we have that kind of faith connection with the word of God, no sooner the enemy hits harder. And this creates a cycle that leads to discouragement in the life of God's children. But I'm coming to tell you today as God's servant that every arrow and every plan and every ploy of the enemy to discourage you, to, to hit you with discouragement, to bring cyclical patterns of discouragement in your life, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus with the prophetic unction upon tonight's meeting, it is coming to an end. The power of the enemy, the power of discouragement will lose its hold in your life. The power of encouragement is coming upon you afresh in the name of Jesus Christ. And that was the case of the children of Israel. Some people go through this. I call it prolonged delayed expectations when you have prolonged and delayed expectations like proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 proverbs 13 12 if um my nlt provider can provide that proverbs 13 12 it says hope that is deferred hope that is deferred makes the heart sick Praise the Lord. He said, but a desire fulfilled, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And, and, and the enemy knows that. The enemy knows that if I can just defy their hope a little more, I can get them to be sick. Their heart will become weary. Their heart will become tired. People will know, they'll just be tired in prayer. Have you ever gotten to a point where you prayed about one prayer point and you've just come to that point that even words are failing you? Like your heart is so sick, you're so tired and so weak to even mutter those same words to God because you're feeling like this thing should have been crossed off as a prayer point. This thing should have become an answered prayer by now. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. The devil knows that and he uses these to, to afflict the children of God We're using prolonged, delayed expectations. Another arena and domain, you see people fight with discouragement. 
is failed expectations along. I'm telling you prophetically, if there are failed expectations in your life, get ready. God is about to overturn it and God is about to divinely compensate you. If you can receive that word as your prophetic word today, say, I will be divinely compensated for every failed expectation and every loss, both in time, in resources, in energy, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Who is one person who enjoyed this? David in the Bible. David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, turn with me to 1 Samuel 30. I want to read it also in the, in the NLT. I loved, in fact, all my scriptures, I just love them today in the NLT. They were choice words. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, and David was greatly distressed. Man of God. This is a man of God. This is a man of God. Did you hear that? <laughs> Did you just hear that? David anointed. So anointing, anointing does not shield you from discouragement. It doesn't shield you from this. That, and that you're battling with discouragement, it doesn't mean that you are not anointed. It doesn't mean God is not with you. The Bible says that David was greatly distressed for the people these were his people. The people, mind you, that all of these people gathered to David. The Bible says men who were broke, were distressed of all kinds. They all gathered to David because somehow in them, they had some expectation. They heard that Samuel had anointed this young man. And after he's been anointed, he brought down Goliath. After he's been anointed, they've been seeing things happen around his life. There were indications of God's mighty presence with him. So they followed him. They trust him. They, they trusted his leadership. And lo and behold, this, in this story, the Bible says David led the people and said, hey, let's go and fight this battle. In fact, they conquer and, and they, from every conquest, that's how they get rich, actually. Because if they fought the battle, then they get spoils from the battle. They get goods, they get things, and they cut those things away. And that's how they're enriched. And that's how they become stronger. But they make this one move. It's like a businessman who wants to invest and puts all his heavy investment and hoping that this one will bring more things and only for it to lead to a big loss. The Bible says they made this move, but by the time they came back, the Amalekites had attacked Gilgal, which was a strong Ziglag, which was a stronghold where they had their wives, their children, their family. And in one day, David suffered colossal loss. Just think about it. In one day, they took away all the wives, all the children. So grown up men came back and their homes were empty. Their children were nowhere to be found. So people were really discouraged. The Bible said they wept so bitterly, every man for his sons and for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, this thing is so sweet to read. <laughs> but think about it. it, it God forbid you're in a situation looking for your children. 
in a situation looking for, for a, lo a, lo a loved one, a member of the family, captured by an enemy. And everybody all gone. Every one of them disappeared. Big loss. Failed expectations. I want to pray for someone just like David. God told David when he inquired from the Lord in verse 8. David inquired from the Lord in verse 8. The Bible says, and the, he said, Lord, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered, pursue for you will surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Please listen. This is the word of God. And I'm saying to someone, you will recover all. Think about what all means to you. All might mean to you investment of time, investment of money, investment of energy and resources. All might mean to you loss in times you fasted, you prayed, you trusted God. Beloved, wake up, child of God. The Bible is saying, the word of God is saying, you will recover all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another place where the enemy fights people with discouragement is when you face giants in the mountain of your blessing. Have you thought about it? That whenever God blesses you, God blesses you by positioning you in uncharted territories and putting you in places where you could not by your own power or by your own hand have acquired. In Psalms 44, I love that scripture. He said, we got not the land, not by our strength, not by our power, not by our bow. It's not by our strategy. It's not by our know-how that we got the land. We didn't get the job by our know-how alone. We didn't get, you know, this level of breakthrough. Not by our, He said, we got it because God's face of countenance shone upon us. God's favor, in other words, gave us the victory. Now, when God's favor brings you into a place, isn't it interesting that it can stir up the giants that are dwelling in that place? Many of us don't realize that every promised land is a mountain filled with giants. Every ground of promotion. And I love this thing I saw in the Bible, and I was like, wow, wow, this powerful. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 5. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 5. Let's read 1 Samuel 10, 5. And I'll show you some things from the word of God real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse number 5. God was speaking to Samuel and saying to Saul that, hey, you're going to be anointed. The anointing will come upon you. And the anointing speaks of elevation. The anointing speaks, is, is what promotes. And it says in verse 5, after that, you've encountered the anointing. You've encountered the oil of promotion. Look at what's going to happen. It says, after that, you will come to the heel of God. How many of us want to come to the heel of God? Please, let, let, me, let me see you. Be honest. You want to come to the heel of God. Can, can you please give me back those, give me some signals. I want to see people of faith who want to come to the heel of God. If you're not already asleep, good. I see those hands. He said, when you come to the heel of God, there's still a lot of people I'm waiting for. 
you you want God to bring you to his heel this year. Please signify with your hand. Hallelujah. Amen. I want it. Amen. I don't want to remain in one spot. Amen. Of year, year in, year out. He says, when you come to the heel of God, that talks about a vantage position where God wants you to be, to be elevated. Look at what he said. He said, where also is the garrison of the Philistines? I don't get it. He says, the heel of God, where also is the stronghold of the Philistines? Nobody wants Philistines in their heel. Amen. I don't want Philistines in my heel, but that is God's strategy of equipping every of his children for exploits. God would never put you in a place where you would hit your chest and boast and say, wow, this is by my strength. This is by my power. No, God will usually elevate us into a place where when we get there, we are actually so small for that elevation. And then God will begin to grow us in capacity, stretch us in capacity, increase us in capacity in the name of Jesus to take possession of that mountain. God was telling the children of Israel, he said something to them. He said, look, when you come to the promised land, I will not chase out the enemies in one day. Why? He says, so that the wild animals, the beast, might not multiply against you. He said, I will chase them out little by little. I want to speak to you, man of God. I want to speak to you, woman of God. Little by little, God will fight for you. God will, God will bring you victory for every one of those battles that the enemy is using to launch discouragement against your destiny in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Wow. When you face those mountains, those giants in your mountain, you know, the enemy can use that to, to drive many down the drain of discouragement. It might even be your marriage. Praise the Lord. It might be your home. It might be your job. Amen. It might even be the work of God, like the assignment, the vineyard, the call to the vineyard. You know, I, I, one of the things that God has really used me to do is to inspire fire many and kindle the fire of service in the heart of people. And I love it. I love it. I know that that is one of the things that God has called me to do, like kindle the fire, spread the fire, the, the fire for people to desire God more, love him more, want to serve him. But can I tell you something? Amen. Discouragement is one of those things that can quench the fire of God in any vessel. There are a lot of people who genuinely set out, they love God. They want to do great things for God. But they just feel like there's not a lot of encouragement. Let's look at the life of Paul. Praise the Lord. Paul in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to need this in the NLT reading, you know, because I was doing my study and I was just, wow. I was like, this is so rich. So I'm going to need my sister, um, Sister Cynthia, to please put up 2 Corinthians chapter. 11. Yeah, I think it's 11. Second Corinthians 11. Let's read from verse, from, verse, from verse 23. Amen. 
from verse 23. Paul began to read his resume as an apostle. <laughs> he began to read out his resume as an apostle, as a sent one of the Lord. He says, wait, wait, wait. Those other people, are they ministers of Christ? He said, I speak as a fool. I am more of a minister of Christ. This is Paul. He said, and I will tell you what makes me a minister of Christ. He says, he labels more abundantly in stripes above measure, in prison very often, almost to the point of death. Hallelujah. I would like to read this in the NLT. I don't know if it's pulled up because there's, there's something I read there and it just, oh, wow. Yeah. Sis. Cynthia is still pulling it up. Amen. Receive an unction and anointing. Now, let me read it in Amplified. I have the Amplified. He says, he said, he said here, he said, I'm talking about, I'm talking like one beside myself, all by myself. I am more. He said, with far more extensive and abundant labors, with far more imprisonments, with countless tribes, and frequently even to the point of death. In verse 24, he said, five times I have received um, hands, I've received lashes from the Jews. Five times 40 lashes, five times four. That's about 250 lashes altogether. Signs of an apostle, he said, three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I've been stoned. Three times I've been aboard a shipwrecked at the sea. A whole night and a whole day has spent adrift in the deep, many times on journeys exposed to perils of rivers, perils of bandits, perils from my own nation, perils from the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the desert places, perils in the sea, perils from those posing as believers. Amen. He said, all of these are faced in toil and hardship, watching through sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, frequently driven by fasting. That means I didn't intend to fast, but I just had no choice. He said, by want in cold and exposure, my clothes worn out. He said, lack of clothing. This is an apostle. And besides those things that are without, he said, there is daily pressure of my care and anxiety for all the churches. He said, who is weak? And I do not feel it. I feel it. Who is made to stumble? I feel it. He said, I feel the fall in their faith. He said, it hurts. I am not, am I not? I am not as on fire. He was saying here in question, am I not on fire for the faith of others that is hurting. This is Paul the Apostle. And this is one of the reasons Paul is, for me, a mentor in scripture. And because, because of Paul, I humbly, completely shy away from that title, Apostle. Because quite honestly, I think that to you to be an apostle, these are part of the marks of apostleship. It's not really a dignified title. So if we're talking about a man who should be discouraged, we're talking about Paul. We're talking about Paul. But the Bible says that in all of these things, there were some secrets in the life of Paul that continued to make him live 
in the power of encouragement. And I'm going to share those four secrets. Amen. If you're ready, praise the Lord. Four secrets, and then I will pray for every child of God on this call. I want to pray for you that you will live in the power of encouragement. You will be, you will be encouraged. I, I'm praying. You know, when I was praying for this meeting, I said, Lord, let people encounter you again. Let them encounter you again in, in, for who you are. When we talk about for who God is, it, it's, it's rooted in some of the four secrets that I'm going to share with you, which Paul the Apostle himself had as a backbone of understanding. This is a revelation that prepared Paul and carried him through all those discouraging moments. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 1 to 7. For 2 Corinthians 4 from verse 1 to 7. How to live in the power of encouragement. Let me do, let me do a check. How many of us want to live in the power of encouragement. You're like me. You want to fulfill your goal, your destiny, your calling, and not succumb to the power of discouragement. You want to see yourself inherit your mountain and not succumb to the Philistines and giants in your mountain. Now, let me see your hands up now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let the Lord see you put your hands up. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, from verse 1, number one, the first thing we see here is you've got to, everyone listen, you've got to accept and receive the love of God. Uh, and this, this might sound very cliche and very simple, but I'll tell you something, this is a place where a lot of believers struggle, including myself especially those who have been in the faith for a long time or those who have, you know, come, to, you know, they work with God, have learned a lot of things from the Lord, learned to live righteously, learned to walk, you know, live out the good works that God has called us to, has saved us unto good works, where his workmanship in Christ to show forth the good works. And at times, that mentality of righteousness and good works, okay, it gradually begins to bring us to a point where we, 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 we shortchange ourselves from actually being loved of God. And, and I want you to open up and receive this. The Bible says in verse 1, look at what Paul said. He said, therefore, saying we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Can we read that in the, uh, in the NLT, please? In the NLT. He said, seeing, seeing that we have received mercy, we received his love and kindness, we are not discouraged. So it, it starts with the state of your heart. Like, how do you perceive God? How do you receive the love of God? Amen. Because this, this is where a lot of God's children struggle. Until you come to a point that... You know that your primary goal, your primary assignment, please listen, your primary goal and primary assignment goes beyond just doing what God wants you to do. Of course, you will do what God wants you to do. Your primary goal and assignment goes beyond just trying to serve God, work for God, do his will, 
populate his kingdom? Of course, we will do that. Do you know that God made us, you and I, for one primary assignment to be an object of his love, to receive, to be recipients of his love? Bible said, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. In fact, the mark of sonship, one of the mark of sonship, before we even talk about authority, before we talk about, you know, obedience, which are all marks of sonship, one of the primary signet that you see in sonship is love of God, that a person is basking, enjoying, and living lavishly, knowing that God loves him or her. Because when the enemy can tamper with that awareness in your mind, he can, he can crush any person with discouragement. When you come to a point where you doubt the love of God in any situation, you begin to question, does God love me as much as maybe God does not love me enough? Maybe that's why I'm suffering this. Maybe that's why my prayers are not answered. Maybe that's why the delay. Maybe there's something I've done that, you know, puts me in a position of displeasure with God. Please, you need to knock out that from your mind because that is one of the things that the enemy can use. And we're talking about living the power of encouragement. If you want to live in that power of encouragement, man of God, you've got to know that God loves you. He loves you for who you are. He accepts you for who you are. And he has chosen you in the beloved. The Bible says something in Jeremiah 31 verse 3. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, he said, I have loved. He didn't say, I will love you. He didn't say, I am loving you. He said, I have loved you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, have I drawn you close to myself. Beloved, I want your mentality with God to change. It's got to change. It's got to change. Because the devil can frustrate a lot of people when they are boxed into this corner and when they're thinking and saying, oh, maybe uh, God is not pleased with me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've not, I'm not loved enough. Look at what he said. Seeing therefore we have received and obtained mercy. It's the mercy and grace of God that is channeled to our lives because of his love for us. Amen. Romans 15 verse 4, it says, look, all these things that were written in scriptures, they're written aforetime that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. What hope? Hope of what? The Bible says in Romans 5:5, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And hope maketh not a shame. Hope in God maketh not a shame. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, literally the Holy Spirit is the signet, is the indweller, is the expressor of God's love in our hearts. Number two, aside accepting and receiving the love of God, you've got to be yourself. You've got to be yourself. Don't play superhero. Don't pretend about who you are. There's no need. Just be authentic. 
You know, that's some one of the things you see in the life. Paul, Paul was saying, he said in verse 2, he said, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not working in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I, can somebody read that in the New Living Translation, please? If you have the New Living Translation, you can mute yourself and read it out. That second verse of the scripture. Okay, oh, wow, he's here. Let me read it. It says, we reject all shameful deeds and un underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. You see, so Paul is saying that we live a very authentic life. That is, you see, when you are true to yourself, you're not trying to play superhero. You're not trying to, to show, you, you know, there, there are times some Christians want to over-impress God. None of us can impress God. Nobody can <laughs> impress God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in those things, at times when we do that, we can even set ourselves up for struggles that are not necessary. And God is like, no, this is not what I've called you to. Just trust my grace. Trust my grace and help. Number three, there's got to be a shift in focus away from ourselves. You see, we're talking about how to live in the power of encouragement. This can shift the focus. Just shift the focus away from me, from you. Shift the focus. There's, there's, there's this language I like to say, it is not about you. It's not about me. And, and Paul was saying that this is, the, this is the secret of this man, why he could go through all the things he went through for the gospel, and he was not moved. He says, he said, he said, he, he was talking, he said in verse, in verse, look at, look at what he says in verse five. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Look at what it says in, in the New Living Translation. It says in verse, in verse, let me look at that. It says down there, it says, we preach that Jesus is Lord and ourselves, we are your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, in other words, Paul was saying that it's not about us. It's about the person of Jesus. If you are in a battle with the enemy, please never, never move your eyes away from the Lord Jesus. You know why? The Bible called the Lord Jesus, the Lord, our banner, Jehovah Nisi. And what that means is when soldiers go to war, they lift up a banner and they look up to that banner. And as they're looking up to that banner, they are marching in victory against the enemy. The moment you take your eyes off the Lord, who is our banner, and begin to look at other things, you give the enemy ground to even win that battle. Because it is the Lord's battle. It's not my battle. It's not your battle. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. So it's not about you. 
It's not about you. Maybe you and I need to chill and just let the grace of God take over and just let the power of God take over. And that leads me to the last point. Trust God on your inside. you got to trust who you carry on the inside. In verse 7, he says something here. He said, but we have these treasure in the earthen vessels. Okay, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The excellency of the power, there is something indwelling us, brothers. There is something we carry, even though on the outside, we might look battered. We might look like eating jars. We might look like clays. We might look like we're getting broken. We might look like we're being hit from the you know, left, right, and center from everywhere. We might even look like we're not doing it well enough. Maybe you feel like you're a father or your mother, and you're just wondering, I say, wow, what a poor father am I? What a bad mother am I? You know, you might be thinking like that. The Bible says there is this treasure in eating vessels that the excellency of of the power may be of God. I want to pray for you today. If you're tired, maybe you're weary, maybe you have come to a point like, wow, I've done everything I know to do. I am praying that the power of God will take over from you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let me hear your loudest amen. I said, Thank you for listening to this message. We love to stay in touch and to see you at one of our events. You can find out more about us on our website at prayer-huddle.com. Email us at feedback at prayer-huddle.com or on our Instagram at prayer underscore huddle.